Welcome to This One's For The Dads, a podcast dedicated to encouraging every father in biblical understanding of everyday life. Now, here are your hosts, Michael and Taylor. Welcome, guys, to episode five of This One's For The Dads. And right on time, the kids in the back. Michael and I were joking as we were setting up for this podcast uh, because this one is live. Maybe you're watching it online. Maybe you're listening to this days after, weeks after. I don't know, whenever you are listening to it. But this is a live recording. Michael and I are in the same room, which doesn't thank happen goodness. often. <laughs> See, you say thank goodness, but I've there set up technical I've, difficulties. I've set up six different ways to, to film this podcast and we're just coming down to a one mic. I had two mics, a mixer, a computer, all this technology that I've been blessed with and we're here with a mic and a recorder. <laughs> so yeah, well, those of you guys who are tuning in online, we're excited to have you guys here and we're excited to to record another episode of the podcast. Um, at the time of this recording, we actually, the one we just recorded launched, the one about... That's right. Time management. Time management. Man, <laughs> I was like, I wanted to say <laughs> fellowship so bad. And I'm like, that was two episodes ago. That doesn't yeah. make sense. So that one just launched and we, we have had the weirdest schedule for recording these. We went weeks without recording. We recorded one, then two weeks later recorded another. Now we're recording another one yeah. three days after... <laughs> four days after recording so hey but i guess in any way that we can get this podcast out is uh the best way to do it so as long as we're making more episodes right yeah as long <laughs> as we're as long as the lord's blessing us and uh he is so let's kick it off we're going to talk about evangelism uh, a lot of you guys don't get to hear the conversations prior to us making these podcasts but many of them whether it was fellowship or time management or name any of the four episodes we've had so far, yeah. many of them have come back to this topic of evangelism in some way, shape or form. Or in the discussions preceding, it kind of comes out as mm -hmm. like a necessity or something yeah. that is on our heart in some way. Yeah, for sure. And so we thought, now we hope we are really hoping that this is a, a one episode in terms of just trying to get it all out there. But I would not be surprised if just after the conversations we had, this turns into a two to three oh, episode-ish kind maybe, of thing. Maybe two. I, I anticipate two, but yeah. <laughs> so, so let me pose the question to you, Michael. I know you've been thinking over this a lot. Um, why is evangelism important? Unpack that for us a little bit. Um on a doctrine level simply because the lord commands it and um <laughs> I, I feel mean, like that's the answer i get oh sorry i feel like that's the answer <laughs> i get the most often from because me, yeah. the bible tells me so <laughs> yeah um so well i was gonna follow that up with and you should figure out for yourself why you think it's so important hmm. to him um interesting and follow up answer for God so loved the world in a pretty simple way. Um, he did die for all men. And so, yeah. Uh, hold on. Let me not tread in any, <laughs> anywhere that I'm not supposed to. Um, <laughs> he died for all men. So all men must hear and he commanded it. Right. So, there you go. I know something that was encouraging me today. Uh, I taught uh, our Tuesday study this morning and something that I was just thinking about is, is I was so excited to teach this morning. Like yeah. the, the, the passage that we were going through was just like, I felt like the Lord had just spoken to me and it was just like on my heart. And I feel like he, he crafted the sermon all together in a way that was so edifying to him. And I just got excited about it. Yeah. And then it got me thinking within that because I was talking about uh, Jacob and him coming back to Esau. And, and one of the things that you see in that story in 33 is, in Genesis 33, is yeah. Esau's heart of forgiveness and love towards his brother. Yeah. And it just like, I was like, man, like, I know what that felt like to be forgiven in that 
in that full capacity to know right. that like, man, somebody forgave me in that way that I stabbed them in the back that I, for yeah. me, I hung Jesus on that cross. Yeah. And, but he still, he didn't come back in retaliation and in anger, but in love and in choosing. And so when I think of evangelism, the at its core for me personally is that is such a integral message and that love that I have been given that I know is for everyone. Yeah. I need to go share it. it yeah. I have to go share it. Yes. So there's a, if you want one of the best sermons ever preached and it's this idea for an hour eloquently spirit inspired incredible um 10 shekels in a shirt but basically the sermon goes like this and it's and it's so what you said of people are in a predicament um let's say it like this the gospel is salvation, mm -hmm. which basically means there's something to be saved. There's something yeah. that people need to be saved from. Yeah. They're in a mess. I mean, you can talk about untouchables in India. You can talk about anxiety and depression that's rampant mm -hmm. in the States. You can talk about, at time of recording, the craziness that's happening in our country at large. Yeah. Um, all of that stuff, people need to be saved from sin, from yeah. the effects of sin. But, and this is 10 shekels in a shirt piece, if that is the center, um, we will turn into something ineffective um, that I won't point any fingers or name any names, but a lot of the American churches we see it now has, has turned into this, where... Um, they are reed shaken in the wind. Whatever the world says is social justice at the moment there. Because that's what they think. They think that it's about salvation for mankind instead of um, for God. Doing evangelism mm. for God's sake. Yeah. He he wants the world to come back to him. Mm -hmm. And if I I spend time looking at the world and looking at the state people are in and and wanting salvation from sin for them. Yeah. But ultimately... I want salvation for them because God wants salvation for them. And yeah. I'm doing it for him. And that, the piece from 10 shekels in a shirt, he goes to Africa. These people are straight up like, oh yeah, the creator God, we know him. We ditched that long ago. And he <laughs> yeah. he gets really mad. Wow. And he goes to the Lord in prayer and he's like, I came to save these people, you know, and they're wicked. And God speaks back and he goes, well, I'm totally paraphrasing one of the most powerful parts of the sermon. But he comes back and says, yeah, I didn't ask you to come for them. Yeah. I asked you to come for me. Man, we're doing Jonah on Wednesday nights right now Yeah, in uh, at church. And one of the things that I had never realized until about a week ago was when Jonah is under that tree frustrated and angry that the Ninevites have turned from their ways. Yes. One of the, one of the factors, it's not, it's probably not the only, but one of the factors is, is that the, what he was as a person, as a prophet would not come true. So his credibility, what he thought of himself, his job was going to be discredited because of that. And God's like, don't you see, I didn't bring you here because this was about you. Yeah. This is about saving a people. This is about yes. the redemption of a culture. Yes. And, but Jonah doesn't see that. He just sees, yeah. well, you said you were going to destroy them. Now my credibility is, or, you know, you lied to me. And it's like, man, we lose that. I was watching a, a video a couple weeks ago of, of some, of some large church pastors. Okay. And they're debating, they're debating. Um, I don't remember. It was, it was a who cares matter of topic kind sure. of thing. And at one point in the video, and I wasn't so I wasn't tuning in to get anything like in terms of like, oh, well, I need to learn theology today. I was just like, it came across my YouTube and I'm like, why is this on my YouTube? You know, well, okay. I don't watch any of these guys preach. Yeah. And so I watched a little bit of it. And I, at one point they're debating and this guy goes, well, we have 500,000 people baptized in our church every year. So yikes. And it was just like, who cares? Like, yes. is that is that what your baptisms and your salvations amount to? Is 
that you can flaunt it in front of other pastors. That's a big yikes move. You know? <laughs> and I'm just like, um, it's it's difficult in this digital age with that being said, because so we want to we want to film everything. I I have a vlog for my family. I want to film everything. Yeah. And there are just times when I'm doing the Lord's work that I think no like that I know in my heart nobody needs to see this. Yes. It doesn't matter that I have a vlog and yes. and that, pe- that maybe people would be touched by it or it would be yeah. good for people to see. But in my heart of hearts it's it's not about flaunting what God's doing and what he's calling me to. Yeah. And who's being saved by whatever small sense I can make yeah. in my human words. Yeah. But it's about God getting that glory. Yes. Yes. What and and God getting what he ultimately wants, which is his children back. Mm-hmm. Um so I yes, ultimately because the Lord commands it and yeah. because he wants to save people. And secondarily, because you look at their state and you go, they they need to be they saved it, yeah. because of what sin has done to them. And that secondarily, if you miss the first part, you'll go yeah. crazy. And then third, because I was just talking to a friend about finishing my internship year with, with Chi Alpha. And he's telling me that um, we got to spend the first semester six to nine hours a week on campus doing evangelism second yeah. semester yeah more like six yeah we cut back a little bit but um six hours a week just stopping people cold hey can i invite you to this church service yeah you know yeah and he goes yeah not everybody does that <laughs> there are different internships where you yeah. write papers all day and you're in a classroom setting learning theology yeah. for about that same amount of time interesting and i and i just kind of i looked at him and i was like most of the things that i learned even in the classroom what i learned was like cool um but what i learned doing evangelism yeah and especially screwing up doing evangelism <laughs> and driving home from campus and going, why am I like that? Like, you know what I mean? Or what, whatever I'm saying, whatever I understand about this message isn't working Yeah. to explain it. To, what do I need to do? How do I need to rethink this message? Am hmm. I even, do I even understand it well enough to pass it along? Hmm. Like those kinds of things. When yeah. I, when I did well, and when I messed up, both things taught me more than any time in a classroom. Interesting. Sharpening my own message as I was trying to explain my experiences and my faith out loud yeah. was the best training that I received all year. Yeah. And and I feel like for a lot of people, that would be the same testimony of yeah. getting out there and doing it. Um. God has an incredible way, even in those opportunities where you drive home going, man, I spoke a different language to every single person I met. And God has this incredible way of still using those words to impact people. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to have all seven points of the gospel. There aren't seven points. I'm making that up. But all seven points of the gospel figured out to be effective. Yes, that is true. Um, a lot of what I learned was about my own attitude and about, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, people like told me to my face just like, yeah, I'm not interested. And I like, like, well, what do you mean? (laughs) Well, well, aren't you scared of hell? And then, and then I drive home and I'm like, what was I thinking? That that didn't work. Now they're scared of you. Right. Just doing dumb stuff like that. Or I share my testimony in a way that they just kind of go, okay, cool. And they walk away and trying to both be intelligent and be led by the spirit. And yeah, just have the best delivery so that nothing can be credited as my fault when I reach the judgment seat. Yeah. Basically is, Yeah. yeah. I don't want anything to be my fault that I could have done better when I reached the judgment seat. I know there are people who will walk away from the best whatever presentation, but yeah, 
I'd like to have the best presentation at least. Yeah. Which I think is not a vain pursuit. Yes. Totally not. But is your heart in I need the best presentation because that's the only way that I'll boost the numbers in my church, the only way that I'll be able to credit the number of baptisms. And I'm not saying that that's your, I'm saying where's the heart in wanting the best presentation? God, I want to be the best representation of your gospel to people that people would hear what you intend for them to hear or I need to be the best and show the best so that people think I'm the best. Totally. And <laughs> so that's and I why, win the most. That is why the whole thing about it being about God for his own sake yeah. is why it's so because you'll get crazy in all kinds of ways. <laughs> you'll just be like, well, it's not my calling. I don't really have to. Yeah. Well, actually, what you're discounting is that God has commanded you to, and yeah. he cares about it very much. You're right. You weren't called to it. You were commanded to it. Right. Everybody was. You might have a separate calling in other ways, but you are commanded to do evangelism, yes. period. On top, below the surface <laughs> of anything else. Everything yes. else is icing on the cake. Yes. And, or if you make it about you, you know what I mean? If yeah. you make it about numbers, if you make it about views or what, you know, whatever, yeah. clicks, you've also missed it. Like if you always keep that at the very center, um, Jesus, I love you. And this person right in front, like Jesus, I love you. And you love this person right in front of me. Yeah. Like literally like, <laughs> this person in front of me, you want to get to know them. And I, and, yeah. and I am the person that you're choosing to use. I'm, I'm their shot at, at getting introduced to you, which is a heavy task but if it's not centered on the Lord, that's the whole point. If it's not yeah. centered on the Lord, you'll go crazy in in a number of different ways. I was just reading this in Matthew a couple of weeks ago with our men's group, uh, Matthew 6. And it's literally on that subject of what's the reward you reap from doing it either for yourself or for God, right? Okay. So take heed that you do not do charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have their glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have had their reward. And when I read that, I think that it applies. This is specifically talking about charitable acts, but also in evangelism. If you're doing it to sound the trumpets in front of people to get people's assurance and their love, guess what? You've gotten your reward. Yes. That's the end of that, you know? Yes. And and even in that, I think you go further and it's like you've chosen to cripple the Holy Spirit in your life, not in others. He's going to do his work through what you say. Yeah. Paul says that in other places, you know? And, um, but he, you lose out in the richness of sharing the gospel by doing it for your own yes. personal gain. Yes. Um, to that point, I would have burnt out and given up. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's like a different thing where you're putting on cool productions and hoping that lost people come in and then you're up on a stage with all kinds of cool lights and preaching the gospel in that sense. And then you're like, neat, I could do, you know, you could do that forever. And it's cool if a lot of people get saved and then you look even cooler but like for me, on the ground, face to face, just trying to grab a student with a flyer, I would have given up and burnt out way long ago yeah. if it wasn't for the Lord because of his burden for yeah. the lost. Yeah. I always get weary working in a church. There, are, I get emails across my inbox at least once a week. Hmm. How to grow your congregation in five easy steps. How to yeah. how to have more conversions every week. How to, how to, and they're always centered on how to bolster something that's a made-up man-made statistic. That's crazy, you know? And, and there's so many of these church help programs, you might call them. And, and there's there's is something to be said about honing a message right presenting the gospel in a way that does make sense but it's a whole nother thing when you when you claim if you tell the gospel the way that i tell the gospel 
you'll have more people come into your church. Yes. And there is a little bit of truth to it in that. What do you see all the mega churches and all the large congregation churches have? Big lights. Yeah. Major productions, those things. Now, are those in and of themselves that medium sinful? I don't think so. Uh, No. But they oftentimes cloud the judgment of even the leaders, the congregants, but even the leaders to that message. Hmm. Uh, One of the things that I've come to realize in my very, very short time of really deep diving into youth ministry is, is you do have to captivate their attention in some way. Yes. You have to have a hook and not a hook that we bait and switch. Oh, well, we're not actually going to do it this way. Yeah. But you got to speak in their medium. Yes. (laughs) And for some lights and lights and fog machines is a medium of which the gospel can be preached. Now, do I think that everybody who has lights and fog machines are taking the best advantage of that opportunity and presenting the gospel for what it is? No. These are all tools that on the foundation of the gospel help evangelism. But if your sound system goes down and you say, I can't preach the gospel because we don't have mics. Yeah. You have turned the tools that assist the gospel into the gospel. <laughs> yeah. Or the, the thing that the person came to hear. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the one of the coolest things about kind of our, our church and something that I've, I've been very thankful for and blessed by hearing is, is our church actually enjoys when we take a week and tone it back. Hmm. They love the big team and they love having drums and electric guitar and bass and yeah. all that stuff. But they're not sold that yes. worship has to be done that way or the church has to be done that way. Yeah. In the same way, we need to be, we need to be sensitive and understanding and proclaiming regardless of whether or not there's a sound system or not, regardless of whether or not even you have flyers or not, or a service to push them to or not. Yes. Because at the end of the day, the gospel doesn't need any of that other stuff to go out and change people's hearts. Yes. I, I mean, listen, look no further than Paul the Apostle, okay? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If if non-biblical history gives us any indication, he was ugly, he was short, he was... I mean, this this doesn't even have to be from anybody telling you. You can just pretty well assume that he was deformed from multiple beatings. Beatings, Oh, yes. Probably had less than half of his teeth, you know? Yeah. Um, he was in prison for a good majority of his adult life. And the man changed, <laughs> like, you can totally get lost in attractive things or or, or, mm-hmm. or worldly attractive things. Brian and I are having a conversation this morning about um, the world has a message of how you should run your life and how you should run your church. Yeah. They have their methods and they have their, you know what I mean? And it's the world's way and they yeah. will try to sell it to you. Yeah. And and they have been successful in a lot of places, but God has his own way and his own way is look like a fool, but get a hold of real power and real godliness and then discipleship. Yeah. Like, you know what? It's harder than actually raising to get a cool sound system and a fog machine. <laughs> yeah. It's harder to get a hold of God and live radically for him than it is to raise money for a cool sound system. Yeah. Which, and this is like, this has probably been on Brownman and Ann Mai's mind for a month, but like, oh gosh, that phrase escaped me. <laughs> oh, nobody believes God. Hmm. He tells you how it should be done. Nobody believes him. <laughs> he said, go and make disciples, you know, like, yeah, in what, and that's in it, in whatever way you can. Yeah. But he did not say, go and make crowds. He did not say, go and make yeah. converts, but nobody believed him. Yeah. Nobody believes him that that is like, as though that were, he's like, okay, well, I've got a better method than you than yeah. making disciples. If I draw in crowds, then we'll, no. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nobody believes I him. I also think it's very interesting. This is a thought that I had had is, is that evangelism is discipleship. Yes. You don't, is, you're, you don't just wait until somebody's a Christian and say, oh, hey, now I'm going to start. No. That's right. I, I'm taking, we're going to take you from where you are. Yes. And let's start this path. Yes. 
And when you think of it that way, evangelism, be, I think this is it. A lot of people think of evangelism as a Billy Graham, as a Harvest Crusades, yeah. as a evangelism is when we fill up a stadium and give them the gospel. Right. And not evangelism is when I sit down with somebody who I see is hurting yes. from protests that are going on right now and say, I hear you. I see you. God has a plan and a hope for you yes. and others. And let's walk in this together. Yes. Because at the end of the day, if evangelism, we look at it as this one-off experience we just do once and move on. We're missing the whole rest of the story, which is what Paul's philosophy of ministry was to warn people, but also to make them, to grow them in all knowledge of Christ. Yeah. So like, it's great that people get baptized and come to salvation and believe in God. Guess what? Your job's not done when that person comes yes. to salvation. Your job is done when they die and you, and everybody gives an account that says, that's right, man, they were, they were solid for Christ. Yes. <laughs> um, it would probably take six hours <laughs> to do the whole teaching on, on the parable of the soils that I have received yeah. and been greatly impacted by but to share at least one word from it would be the good soil receives the word and through patience yeah bears good fruit that's yeah. what it says like through endurance bears good fruit yeah and so endurance is a big part of the gospel endurance is a big part of evangelism yeah where i have spent the past year loving on guys who um aren't perfect yet <laughs> what? what and me neither <laughs> man you need to tweak your message uh, dude no just so I, well and that's, that's the, the thing <laughs> that's the thing is you um well either you just go okay i got them this far and we'll move on to the next batch yeah or you go i invested so much time in you and mm -hmm. you're not what i think you ought to be so forget it but huh. the good now there's a whole thing about you got to be good soil but good yeah. soil with patience produces fruit. Yeah. And this other thing has impacted me greatly. And it's, oh, I wish I could remember the verse and I could read it to you exactly. <laughs> but it's in one of the Corinthians. And it says, I gave the gospel to you. Um, oh, man. With power, not with persuasive words, but yeah. with power yeah, and yeah, display yeah. of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay. I did not give it to you. Have I told you this before? No. Oh, you were just agreeing, so. <laughs> Strong. But I, no, but I know what verse you're talking about. That's what I meant was, yeah, okay. I know exactly what you're I talking about. I did not give you the gospel with persuasive words, but with power and a display of the Holy Spirit. So, what is a display of the Holy Spirit? Or a demonstration of the Holy Spirit? Hmm. What is a demonstration of the Holy Spirit? I don't remember which one it is. I don't know. That's a great question. Okay. My first jump to it is miracles. Yeah. Demonstration of the Holy was, Spirit. And that was kind of my first thought was. But that's already encapsulated in power. Hmm. I didn't come to you with persuasive words, but with power and a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And miracles. Miracles is already encapsulated in power. Yeah. So yeah. what is a demonstration of the Holy Spirit? And I think this is the nuance of the Greek word spirit. That it could be the Holy, the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Yeah. But it could also be like a gentle, holy attitude. A spirit of holiness. A spirit of holiness. Hmm. So I came to you with miracles and a good attitude. Yeah. And that's how I preach the gospel to you. And a good attitude is not going to rub off in an evangelistic sense at one time. Yeah. Now, if you don't have a good attitude, you yeah. will turn somebody off like that. But having a good attitude is not going to win someone's soul except by patience. When uh, Jesus ends the sermon or the uh, Beatitudes, one of the things that we were talking about is it says, and Jesus ended these things saying, all these sayings, and the people were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority, and other places says as one having power. Hmm. 
and uh, the ending of that is not as the scribes <laughs> yeah not as the pharisees not as those who are their religious leaders yes so there's also an element of assurance in my experience in scripture in all kinds of different stuff i i know that these are the experiences that i have i know the god that i serve yeah and my life in my attitude my holy spirit <laughs> bears <Yeah>. out <laughs> bears out looks into camera <laughs> the change the change that i've actually had that you can yeah. see in my life yeah so to say that we come from <laughs> why evangelism because god says so and if you drift from that you'll go crazy yeah you'll you'll do it in your power yeah, yeah you'll do it for some other reason which will quickly or slowly get you somewhere back yeah i i think to to to, to sit on that for a second it either brings you to self-gratification yeah of finding ways to either manipulate the gospel or manipulate the message or manipulate the environment like we've kind of to talked about years to tickle ears yeah yeah or you get so burnt out from trying in the same drudgingly yep. ways because this is the only way I know how to do it that you literally burn out. You can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> or just out of self-conscious fear, you'll sit on the sidelines and that, yeah, that's probably where the majority of lay people are. I, I, I would 100% agree with that. I hear that more often than not is I just, I just either I don't know how or yes. I don't, I can't, it's not my thing. And what's the <laughs> most exciting is about October, November, when the young students who got saved in the September time frame are really like really started to experience the Lord and 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 turn their lives around for him. Yeah. In September, by November, they have so caught a hold of, of that that God wants to save people. They've caught a hold yeah. of it and they show up to the booth where we do evangelism and they, they literally just go, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Woo! Like I, do this. I probably had over the course of two or three weeks, six different young guys just go, can, can I watch you for like an hour yeah. and figure out how to do this? Cause I don't know what I'm but doing. But even that is a showing of yes. faith. Yes. I know that it must be done and I don't know how to do it, but I'm like, I'm just here to, yeah. to figure it out because it has to get done. And I, that only comes from yeah. grabbing a hold of God's burden for the lost. Yeah. And getting rid of all the self-conscious fear, any yeah. inability in the... I'm just remembering the actual story of the first time that somebody... I can't share it because it's embarrassing. But that was the best part. <laughs> is that he goes, I've never shared my testimony before. And so I'm talking to this young guy. And I'm like, you know what? My friend's life was changed by Jesus. Why don't you tell him? And he just gives... <laughs> he, does his, he does his best. Yeah. And for a first time... Huh. You can only go for, up from here. For, you can only go up from there. And he texted me afterwards. He goes, I'm I'm kind of sorry. I, I don't really know what I was doing. And I was like, and that's part. why I'm so proud of you. That's me. the best part. Because you <laughs> jumped in yeah, two feet first out and, and did it. Yeah. Yes. And like watching people do that is one of the most exciting things as a leader in the ministry mm. to see yeah. like, these young people. I know they're I know they're afraid, so they're not doing it for them. They're not even leading small groups, so they're not doing it to look cool. Like mm -hmm. they are here because they know God cares about lost people. Yeah, and I'm like, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> we can work with that. Yes, we can work with this. You will be just fine. You yeah. know what I mean? Actually, you don't need to watch me. You just need yeah. to jump two feet first and tell somebody your testimony, and yeah. you will be fine. Yeah, I think of. Um... There's a spot in Revelation that says we'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Yep. You're gonna if you just stick to this is how Jesus saved me. Yep. To start. Maybe that's just the start. Like, yep. hey. And, and that's what we encourage new believers yep. on all of our uh products to give new believers. Yeah. There's normally like three main things that we say. Start praying. Yeah. Start reading your Bible. Get involved in a Bible teaching church for the fourth one is tell somebody what happened. Yeah. Tell somebody that you've been changed. Yeah. Oh, how was I going to say <laughs> Oh, that's what it was. E. Stanley Jones. As I understand it, 
This is relayed to me secondhand from somebody who actually read his book. But as I understand it, nobody could crack India. Nobody (laughs) knows how to actually effectively give the gospel to the people of India. Yeah. E. Stanley Jones would do this. And he, he would get a whole bunch of whatever's guru of this or that yoga master yeah. like shaman yeah, yeah um imam from the yeah, muslim church voodoo, yeah, yeah stuff what like, that. A, like whatever was around he would do a round table and then he would not put his best apologist he would put a totally green brand new like two week saved guy in wow. with all these hot shots yeah and it was two it was like two basic questions of like what have you tried to get close to God? Like, what have you been doing to try to get close to God? And did it work? Like, what experiences you have you had to, you know, and yeah. these guys would be like, oh, I tried all these different yoga forms. And like one time I thought maybe I felt one yeah. with Brahma. You know, tickle. <laughs> right. Totally. Like totally non-committal. Yeah. And then you get all these guys. And then the last guy just goes, I gave my life to Jesus. I told him I was sorry for my sins and wouldn't you know it. He showed up in my <laughs> life. You know no, it? you know what? <laughs> they, go, they go, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it, but I did, like I did what yeah. the Bible said and God showed up in my life yeah. in these very distinct, very obvious, I'm sure of it ways. Yeah. And he's like, Jones is just like, ta-da. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> this whole round table of hotshot religious guys. Yeah. And a green believer. Yeah. And that's all you need is yeah. your testimony. Yeah. God really did touch me. He really did show up in my life. Yeah. There's a quote that says, people are fine when you talk to God, but they get really bothered when you say that God talked back to you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that yeah. at the essence is the testimony of, you know, I told Jesus that I was sorry. I met his conditions and, and wouldn't you know, he talked to me. Yeah. And, and now I'm a different person. Yeah. And it can happen to you. <laughs> Every yeah. testimony ends with that. And it can happen. It can you. happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> when we were, we were for like two weeks, cause it got rained out every other time for the rest of the semester. We were doing open air meetings and the first one, it was pretty manicured. We had like different people come up and do stuff. Yeah. And the second time, my leader, who was all about the street meeting, he was like, forget this. We're getting the freshmen who are in our leadership training class. So that means brand new save, not even small group leaders. We're getting them to come and do the testimonies in the open air. No warning. Or like a five-minute warning. Yeah. And (laughs) That's always the best. And I would just ask them, (laughs) okay, what, what were you like in September? Okay. And, and then what happened to you? You met a small group leader. Okay, great. And, and they loved on you. And then what happened? Well, I gave up my sin and now I'm this way. And then every time I would just say in the microphone, and, and that can happen to you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and that was it. Like that was our, that was our evangelism yeah. is get somebody to say, this is what I used to be like. And then I met a small group leader. They loved on me. I gave my life to Jesus. Now this is what I'm like. Well, that's that can happen to you. essentially that's essentially exactly what Paul does in just about every one of his letters. Yeah. I was a self-righteous yep. Pharisee of Pharisees. And guess what? It's dung yeah. compared to my relationship that I have now with Jesus. Yeah. So the, my goodness, the kids are partying in some form or fashion. They're giving their testimony. I know. They're in there giving their testimony. <laughs> so as we, as we round this back, because we have 10 minutes until we're... Oh, <laughs> like we said last time, as fathers. Oh, okay. As fathers, we've talked a lot about things that really do apply to a lot of people. Yeah. But the point of this podcast is to encourage fathers in biblical lifestyle. Yeah. What? What's some something to you that's important as a what what, here we won't even go there why is it important for fathers in the family to do the work of evangelism okay um the first thing that comes to my mind i was not very comfortable with children yeah until i started going to a family small group yeah and so it was and family small group with one of the best evangelists that i know jonathan bryce okay and his whole thing is literally like, if there's not a lost person in my house, I'm going to give up. Like, this doesn't count. 
this is boring for me unless there's somebody in like somebody lost in my house that wants to be saved or doesn't want to be saved and i'll make them want to be yeah. saved <laughs> we could change that yeah it could happen to you <laughs> so i mean if there's like two or three months without a lost person in a small group he's like Man, I gotta, I gotta go out and find, you know. No more small group until yeah. we find somebody. <laughs> no, I think he has actually said those words. So anyway. Wow. I wasn't comfortable with kids until I went to that small group. And then there's like 10 of them running around. <laughs> and then I got used to it. <laughs> um, I remember one day this guy came in and it was bad. You know, there's like curious, awakened lost people. This guy was on the near the hostile end of oh, lost. Okay, yeah. And he, um, there's a phrase which is related to evangelism, but not related to my story. Well, only direct. There's a phrase that says this: if you throw a rock at a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one that got hit. Mm-hmm. So. He's giving this lesson on bitterness. And wouldn't you know it, on the other side of the room, what do you mean? And that starts piping up. And and then the and then that phrase plays through my head. If you throw a rock at a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one that got hit. Yeah. And so immediately, so he gives his lesson on bitterness, he just tosses it out there like seed. Yeah. And then one guy, and it's like, it's you. You're the you're the you're the you're one bitter. You're yeah. bitter. Yeah, you're bitter. And he just starts he starts drilling. He starts kid, you yeah. know twisting it in, Oof. and it gets kind of spicy. Yeah, like the he's like he goes. I just you know I just want to do what the Bible says. I want to I want to do what's right in my own eyes. And I was like, that is what the Bible says. But when the Bible says it, it's a bad thing. <laughs> like it got yeah. pretty spicy <laughs> back and forth with this yeah. guy. <laughs> And I left that night and that all that whole entire experience in yeah. that family small group, knowing that <laughs> that whole entire experience in that family small group, knowing that those kids would always grow up really knowing what it is to be lost. Man. Like they look at lost people that freak out like that when you talk about bitterness yeah. huh. and you go, oh, there's... Like there's no, all the cool parts that the world wants to put up. Yeah. When you bring somebody who used to be addicted to drugs into your home and they're lost, you go, oh, that's what it means to be addicted to drugs. I'm not touching that stuff. <laughs> that's what it means to, to get involved with alcohol. That's what it means to be bitter. Huh. This is what this is what all these things that yeah. the Bible talks about actually does to someone. Hmm. The world can't fool me anymore. Yeah. Or... Yeah, I'd have to be really, really, really deceived, self-deceived to be fooled by something like that again. <laughs> yeah. So for me, that was one of the biggest lessons is I saw what happened in his house when lost people came over and that his kids would always know this is what it means to be yeah. lost. And the movies were not the standard uh, right, of what right With alcoholism the, and drug abuse. Yes. And, Yes, premarital sex and all that kind of stuff was. It was literally the strung out, yes. literally the addicted, the rock bottomed. Yep. And so it's it's the complete opposite. He doesn't have a t TV. So it's the complete opposite of most totally secular families where there's a constant stream yeah. of deception of what the world has to offer. Yeah. And it's the opposite. It's the, it is... 100% bare, the reality. Bare reality of what yeah. it means to be lost right there in front of you. It's every raw week. and it's raw and it, yes. It's, in a lot of cases, it's really ugly. Yes. And it moves you to be like, something has to be done. Whether that person accepts the gospel and you watch what happens to a changed life. Yeah. Or whether that person rejects and they go deeper into the spiral, into the whirlpool. And you see, dude, mm -hmm. yes. There's redemption here. Either way, there's such a clear line drawn between what the world has to offer and what Jesus has to offer. Yeah. It was it was actually, I think, that that prompted Bronwyn and I to make small group a conviction for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Like 
it wasn't well yes it was god wants people to be saved but apart from that the other thing that was the strongest draw was i want my kids to know that evangelism means something yeah that this is what we do as christians yeah this is what the world looks like and this is what we do as christians we love on them and god wants them to be changed forever yeah. by his message for me teaching discipling training my children having lost people in my home and doing evangelism right in front of them is like one of the core things that i want them to experience in their childhood yeah to know what the gospel really is about yeah it's about saving people for Man, i know for me um and now with the with the whole COVID thing and school shutting down it's kind of different but one of the things we've been kind of trying to determine do we put jack into a, a daycare system do yeah. we send him you know because lydia's working i'm working um and the more and more Jack came to work with me and I was doing our patio ministry, which is our youth outreach ministry. Yeah. And I was doing these things. I thought to myself that exact, I want to see, I want my son as much as he can to see dad was yeah. sharing with people the love of Christ. Yeah. He didn't keep it to himself. Yeah. And like you're saying in that vein, and I haven't taken it even this far, but that he would grow up with that conviction for himself. Yes. It's like, instead of seeing dad sit in front of the TV playing video games, because it, you do it in the same realm and like take the gospel and sharing, sharing the gospel and turn it into video games and playing video games all the time. Kids latch to that. And I know because yeah. I was that kid. Yeah. And so if they see all dad, all dad does is play video games, that's like the, that's what life amounts to. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. guess what? They believe that that's what life amounts to. Yeah. If they see dad cares about way more than materialistic items in this world and he cares about the souls of yeah. people he doesn't even know. Yeah. And he brings mom in on that yeah. and they together love others and love me and you know yeah they see that you're not gonna see that reaction that's yeah you're gonna see that react you're gonna the, the reaction you're gonna see take yeah. hold. exactly exactly it's gonna be one of those things uh, i this is where my heart breaks for pks for pastors kids and things like that yeah. is because what you see is as pastors who for one reason or another, you know, they devote themselves to this gospel. And, and in a lot of cases, and or in, I shouldn't say a lot, but in some, it's to the neglect of their child instead of bringing their child in on it. But you see, I in a lot of cases, I grew up watching my parents give the gospel and share with people. This conviction is so heavy. And then you see them run to some of the deepest and darkest holes hmm. because they did grow up seeing what the gospel does do to people's lives and the only way to deny that is is to run to the deepest and darkest that's holes. true and that that breaks my heart to see stuff like that yeah. you never see like a pastor's kid who just like becomes just a normal. you know <laughs> normal just like chill like yeah I, you know i just i just don't believe things anymore like it's always either they're maybe taking the footsteps or they uh, of a pastor and yeah. become a pastor themselves one day or they end up being like the rebel, like the definition of rebellious yeah. and, and against and against God. And why? Why is that? Because this gospel does have the power to change lives and convict and yeah. bring righteous love and godliness into somebody's life. You the only way you can really deny that far. is to run really far. Yeah. yeah. And it breaks my heart to see that not just in pastor kids, but in anybody yeah. is to have seen the love of Christ and for to have seen that work done in them, to see them baptized, to see them get on the stage and say, here's who I was, here's how God changed me and here's who I am now. And then to see them seven times as worse because that's the only way that you run from that change. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's the only way you get away from the conviction of the Holy spirit of which you have invited in to convict you. Yeah. And it just, it, it breaks my heart. And as a father, I pray religiously, not <laughs> no pun intended, yeah. but that Jack grows up in a way that he didn't see this as 
mom and dad's religious nature to just give to the church and to yeah to do it out of religiosity in a works-based way but as a there are lost people i have a i have a free gift to give them yeah <laughs> from christ obviously not from me but yeah. from christ and i i, I oh, if i sit here with it in my living room i've blown so many opportunities to see people saved hmm. and and you see this trend in the church too of people who doubt who end up losing faith you see this trend they stop talking to other christians they stop evangelizing hmm. they, they stop seeing god make that work and eventually it becomes so stale in yeah. their lives well maybe god isn't real well, no. <laughs> First off, you pulled yourself away from all of the situations and opportunities that he was working in. Right. And so, of course, you don't see him in, in what you're doing because what you're doing is not what he is willing and wants you to be doing. Right. And evangelism is just that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you, in that vein... If you want to see miracles or you want to have the Holy Spirit lead you, be open, put your foot forward for evangelism. I'd even go a step further. Get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. In whatever that Stop looks expecting. Like. If you're not seeing it at Sundays at 10 a.m., push into something else that is uncomfortable for you. Hmm. Do it. At, find a different time. Yeah. Go to a place that isn't your church. Yeah. Find people who aren't in agreement with you. Yeah. And then have that conversation. Yeah. All the way from the beginning when I said the thing that sharpened and changed me the most this year yeah. was evangelism. Yeah. And in the same way, the times that I watched the Holy Spirit work on someone in front of me, bring them to tears. And I knew that... Not only is God working, but yeah. God is working in me, through me, yeah. miraculous way was in evangelism. When yeah. I did something that was a little bit strange, a little bit uncomfortable, and stepped out, he followed because that's his work. Yeah. That's what he wants you to be doing. Yeah. And if you are in the grain of his will, we could yeah. say, all of his power is behind you. Yeah. I'll say that with some confidence. Yeah. Say, yeah yes. I, I would. All right. I think that's promised. Yeah. That he backs you up 100%. Yeah. We have to remember, though, within that, I think that this is where the burnout oftentimes happens is, is that just like you did, everybody else still has their free will to accept the message that you're bringing. Yeah. And we have to take it, as scripture says, that it's not a dig on us. It's not a rejection of us, but yeah. it's a rejection of God. Yeah. And that is that is not something that we get to burden that we should burden as Christians. Yeah. We did our part. We proclaimed we were preachers of the gospel. Yeah. If it falls on people who just happen to not be in a position, then maybe it's maybe you're talking of the soils, you know, that they have yeah. been choked. It's it's just choked out from other things. It's rock solid, whatever it may yeah. be we can't burden that and burn ourselves out expecting yeah <laughs> in expectation i remember this francis schaefer quote he says francis schaefer dealt with some pretty crazy stuff yeah in the sense that people who i mean if you read the kind of stuff that he writes about and the people that he was evangelizing to their philosophies take them for example if I'm a machine and you're a machine, yeah, and there's no overarching connection between us, yeah, but just like random matter and mutations and whatever, sure. What's going on in my head and coming out of my mouth is basically can never go into your ears and into your brain the same way, and we'll never be able to communicate. Yeah, we'll ne because. When I think of bread, I think of all these experiences in my life. Yeah. And when you think of bread and we'll never, and when I say bread, we'll never mean the same thing. Yeah. And it like, it you sounds, it sounds a, weird yeah, from yeah, a, yeah. it sounds crazy from a Christian worldview. But when you read this people that he was evangelizing to, it took them to really, really dark places. Huh. Nihilistic, nothing matters. 
Yeah. Why don't I just end my life? Seriously. Yeah. And so somebody asked him, you give the full gospel to somebody, which usually from reading his writings went something like, and if none of this is true, you probably, there really is no meaning to life. Yeah. If you give this whole gospel to somebody and they reject it and go home and die, killed in a car accident or kill themselves, you know, what do you do? Yeah. Are you willing to be this harsh on people and draw so sharp a line that they have to? And he goes, you know what? I'd cry. I'd be real sad for him and yeah. and shed real tears. Yeah. But I'd say the same thing to the next person. Man. Yeah. Because it because the gospel is, is what it is. Not the answer. The gospel is what it is, and <laughs> yeah. you have a responsibility to respond to it. But yeah. I just have a responsibility to tell you. Yeah. And that's I mean that's Ezekiel. That's you know, and it's hard. And aside from self conscious fear, I think that is the next greatest inhibitor. I don't want to watch this person get pushed away. Yeah, and I've been to. Not a lot, but a couple of pastors' conferences before. Yeah. Because I'm a leadership. I'm in leadership at our church. And something that is always a theme. All of these pastor conferences have very radically different themes. Yeah. But something that you can always guarantee is going to be there is an encouragement that, listen, I know you're hurting over the people who walked away, who died, who gave up. Yeah. Fill in the blank. I know you've been backstabbed by those who you trusted in the faith continue on soldier yeah you know and that's that's a tough that is a tough message and for pastors that i know who have been doing this 10 15 30 40 years yeah i cannot imagine i cannot even begin to imagine i've been doing this for five years full time yeah like like as a serious life change yeah and just in those five years i've been hurt a fair amount yeah I cannot imagine in in 15, 20 years the amount of hurt and anguish that's going to be have come from people making free will choices. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think that's also an encouragement to dads is, is that your children's faith will become their own faith. Should. Or lack thereof faith. Yeah. But it's theirs. You cannot... I hear this. I hear more from mothers than fathers, but maybe that's just because mothers are more vocal about it. Yeah. But maybe if I had done, maybe if when they were six, I had done this differently. Yeah. Maybe if I'd taken them to church that one time when they had that guest speaker. Yeah. And it's like, you can't put that. Yeah. Now, if you chose not to tell the gospel ever to your kids or set that example. Yeah. mm, Okay. But you can't put all of that expectation that your kids will become Christians just because you did. Yeah. Fill in the blank. Yeah. So. I think that that's a good place. There's a part two. In, on a, on a practical books. how to, there <laughs> yeah. will be a part two, but don't fear Christian soldier. Mm. Share your testimony. Fight the good fight. And, um, yeah. If you care about God and his heart and you want to grow, Get out there and and just open your mouth, say something, mm. and don't be afraid of what. Don't be afraid. Happens. That's the big. I the think Lord that's the big you. thing. Is don't be afraid. Guess what? Like in your story, maybe you give the worst rendition of your testimony tomorrow to somebody you don't know, yeah. and guess what? It only gets better from there. Yeah, God and can only use you more from there. <laughs> yes, if you, I mean, he didn't do a bet. It was just what it really was was embarrassing. Sure. But it can feel bad to a person right. like that. It can feel really bad. Right. But what he said was, Jesus changed my life. These are the things I was going through and Jesus yeah. changed my life. And it, I mean, it was there. If the heart was hungry and the soil was good, all the elements that somebody needed to respond rightly were there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so even the worst, most <laughs> embarrassing presentation these are the things I was going through and Jesus changed my life Yeah, when he touched me. Like, that's all you need. A, a, a hungry heart and good soil will will be able to respond to something like that. Mm. Well, we thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of This One's For The Dads. Those of you guys who joined us live, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I mean, anytime that we can get together face-to-face, we'll probably record a podcast. Yeah. We have our simple setup now. So. 
can stop stressing over that. Um, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube. We have a Facebook group now that we'd love to get some discussions going. We have an email chain now that's going to not just have uh, emails going out when we put a podcast live, but also maybe uh, we're looking at devotional thoughts and just things that God is doing in Michael and I's life as an encouragement to you guys, not as a flaunt of what we're doing, but as a keep fighting fighter. Yeah. Keep moving on. Uh, be encouraged. Um, and so if you want that, make sure you message either Michael or I on Facebook, uh, email us at info for the dads at Gmail, and we will get you on there immediately. Again, as always, if you have any topic ideas, shoot us an email at info yeah. for the dads at Gmail. We'd love to discuss the things that you guys are dealing with as fathers, uh, as heads of your household, as ministry leaders, things yeah. like that, that we can be an encouragement and join you in the discussion in the fight. Yeah. We might not have answers, but we will always take 45 minutes to discuss <laughs> what we can do. Uh, With that being said, Michael, it's great to have you in the house. It's great to sit down and look at you face to face. I know. And uh, do this. And we will see you guys in the next podcast. Yeah, in the next one. Goodbye.